Sometimes I feel. I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get that ditch. You don't have to get that ditch. Attaccare! Welcome to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick Devano and Josh Parrish here on a Monday evening. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for joining in a little bit later, catching up, leave a review on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get it. But if you're here with us live on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, leave a comment. Let us know some of the things you liked from the weekend. A lot of club football, the World Cup draw, a lot happening in all the big leagues, Josh. It's been a monumentous weekend because we've had a bit of a look ahead towards the World Cup draw coming up. Um, obviously, we're going, we're going to look at the World Cup draw, but obviously on the weekend we had a look of what to expect in the World Cup, but also we saw the return of club mm. action in all the big leagues this weekend. Yeah, lots to talk about. Lots of potentially, I wouldn't say title deciding, but title race affecting ties uh, at the top end of the table, particularly in Serie A. And uh, in the race for the Champions League as well in La Liga, so we'll get to them in the uh, in the back half of the show. But World Cup—it's the biggest thing in football. We've got to start there. Unfortunately, we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately. We do. this isn't the eulogy. This isn't like last week. Uh, we've... We're not going to go to black and white cameras no, no, again. No, no, no. We don't have to. It's been a week of mourning. Uh, we're, the week is over now, and it's time to get on with it and move on with life. We've reached the final stage of grief, and that is acceptance. And um, I said that we, I, I wouldn't reach that until Qatar, but uh, it's come a little bit earlier because City is back. So it's kind of made me forget about the, the trauma that was <laughs> uh, a week and a half ago. So let's have a look at the World Cup draw. We're not going to go through all 32 teams or potentially all 32 teams because we haven't gotten all 32 teams qualified yet. We don't know exactly who those 32 teams are. We're just going to have a look at which of the, of the European mm. sides that have qualified and the, obviously one of the three that will make it in Group B as well. So let's start off with Group A. One European nation, that is the Netherlands. Um, big talk, big chance for Netherlands to progress from this group. They've got, mm. you know, a, I don't want to call it an easy group because no group is easy in the World Cup. We know that always these groups, they might look easy and they tend to be a little bit harder, but they've got the host Qatar Ecuador and Senegal. Senegal, arguably the hardest team of that group. They actually opened the World Cup against Senegal in the opening game. One of the weird quirks of this World Cup that the hosts aren't going to actually open the World Cup. But for the Netherlands, well, it's a chance to right the wrongs of the Euros. Um, You know, went out in the round of 16 against the Czech Republic. Is this an opportunity for them to potentially bounce back? Well, let's wait and see. I mean, there are always high expectations with the Dutch and they've got an easy group and you'd have to expect that they'll progress to the knockout stages. Well, uh, one thing that maybe casts a cloud on their chances is the pretty startling omission from Louis van Gaal that he's suffering from prostate cancer. Yeah, massive news in midweek there. Yeah, uh, he's uh, gone on a a talk show in the Netherlands and uh, while he was promoting a documentary about his life, which, of course, Louis van Gaal has a documentary about Mm -hmm. his life. What a guy. Um, But uh, he made that admission that he's he's been um, uh, battling with his his health and uh, I I suppose that's that's got to affect the playing group when you've got a manager who, you know, doesn't know uh, if he's going to make it to the tournament in terms of whether he's going to be healthy enough to be on the sideline. Mm. So that that's the big thing uh, facing the Dutch. I think, you know, after the Euros, there wasn't a huge amount of buzz about the team. 
but anything can happen in international football, and I think they're slowly, slowly but surely improving. Absolutely, and as we mentioned, they've got a group that really I think they would, and at least a lot of you know football pundits would expect that this is a, a good chance for them to not only progress but to top the group as well. This is actually their first World Cup since 2014 as well. They missed in 2018. Uh, they missed the Euros in 2016 as well. So they're on the way back after some lean years. Uh, in terms of their squad, I mean, they've got enough talent on paper, at least. They've got the likes of, you know, Matty DeLitt, who obviously got sent off in that famous game at the Euros against the Czech Republic. Virgil van Dijk's back, we assume, this time around. Obviously, did his knee last season, mm-hmm. so he missed the Euros. Um, but other than that, there is talent all over the park. My only concern is where are the goals going to come from other than Memphis Depay? I mean, there's a lot of reliance on, you know, the next lot of players coming through, players like Daniel Marlin from Borussia Dortmund or whether it will be uh, Wout Weghorst, you know. The we, big Burnley the striker. Big Burnley striker who has some interesting views on uh, my body, my choice. Uh, <laughs> Steven Bergvine. Um, so where the goals going to come from, I think that's my big concern with the Dutch going forward. Um as well, but with uh, Oscar's talent, Jordi Vanderlein is going to be the one. But uh, they, they, there's there's still enough talent, at least in the midfield and in defence, for them to get through. So, what do you reckon, Josh? Who's going to be the man to step up, and who's going to be that player that will really help the Dutch through in this tournament? Yeah, it's it's a conundrum. I think if they can get the best out of Frankie De Jong, I think they have a good good chance. But yeah. you know, he's been Frankie patchy, Dion, yeah. hit and miss in his time with Barcelona. Uh, Memphis Depay is the key player, obviously. But I also think Denzel Dumfries is pretty underrated in terms of his late bursts into the box and he just his athleticism. He's been, uh, he's been good at international level, but his inter form has polarised. Yeah, He hasn't true. been amazing since going to Inter. But so. think of the guy he's replacing. You know, yeah, that's a, know, that's a high know. bar. Yeah. So I, I do think that this Netherlands team is going to get through the group. Um, I don't think they're going to go much further than that. And there's already some seeds of dissent being sown in the camp with uh, Virgil van Dijk uh, rather thoughtfully stating that either they play a 3-4-3, but he would prefer to play a 4-3-3 if he was in charge. So yeah. already they're bickering amongst themselves, which is so classically Dutch. And it's not a very good sign if there's already a bit of internal mm. sort of, you know, discussions mm. about, you know, what formations we'd rather play with, what sort of system. But yeah, anyways... It's, it's a little outdated as well, the football that Louis van Gaal tries to play, yeah. I find. Uh, you know, it's very disciplined, mm. um, but it's also quite slow in the build-up. Yeah. And They're not going to be very fun. No, like this team is effective mostly in transition and on crosses to Veghorst when he plays. Yeah. And a lot of the time, you know, we saw it at Manchester United when Van Gaal was in charge. They've got this evenly spaced team who's just trying to keep possession, switch the ball from side to side, and they don't really go anywhere with it. Yeah. Um, whereas the teams now, uh, the most progressive ones, are focused on hurting teams through the middle, pressing, counter-pressing, winning the mm. ball back. Uh, the Netherlands are a little bit old-fashioned yeah. in their in their total approach. Football. Well, it's, it's even it's not it's not <laughs> yeah, even that adventurous total football anymore. It's, it's just boring. It's, it's just a bit. It's just a bit. Uh, well, Louis van Gaal thinks that if you have the ball, you are therefore attacking, and that's not really the case because a lot of time they they keep the ball for possession's sake, yeah. and uh, I think the side is actually better without the ball. So they they might struggle against. You know, teams like Qatar and this group who are going to set up shop and counterattack. Absolutely. Uh, well, look, let's leave the Netherlands for just things. We've got a, quite a few teams to get through. And let's head over to the English. Uh, well, they're technically not 
in Europe, but you know we've got to we've got to give them a bit of. <laughs> they love. are in a f- in a in, FIFA they're sense. They're in UEFA, but you know not in a political sense. Mm. So England are in Group B with Iran, the USA, and one of Wales, Scotland, or the Ukraine. We'll find that out in June. England, I mean, let's be real, they are a tournament favourite uh, in 2018 semi-finalists, runners up at Euro 2020. This is a team that should win this group. I think it's, you know, that this is just putting it bluntly. Like, this is no disrespect to Iran, no disrespect to the USA. The amount of talent that England have, and, you know, this is supposed to be another golden generation of English talent. This should be a team that, you know, goes far in this tournament, and I think the expectation should be to win it, and I think that's quite a fair statement as well, to put it, you know, quite bluntly. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's been a lot of backslapping, um, as there often is when the draw comes out. You know, best group since the Beatles was the headline. Uh, yeah. I remember in 2010, was yeah. it? When they and got we saw what USA, happened there, yeah. Algeria. Um, uh, yeah, like so that. Who was the other one? Uh, Algeria and, uh, was it Ghana? No, it wasn't Ghana. No, Australia were in Ghana's group. Um, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, they, they got uh, what they uh, perceived to be a very straightforward group in 2010, and they actually only just made it through with a Jermaine Defoe goal, I think. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I remember Wayne Rooney coming off the pitch and, you know, ranting at a camera, you know, nice to see your own fans booing you. You know, that, so like it can go poorly for the English when it seems like they've been kissed Slovenia. on the proverbial. So That's the other nation. Slovenia, Slovenia, of course. And they beat Slovenia 1-0 in match day three after... I how could I? Draws, how could yeah. I forget Rene Krahin's Slovenia? Uh, but <laughs> this group presents some challenges. I don't think they have going to have too much trouble against the USA, uh, but against Iran, mm. that's a decent side. That's a side that potentially those in the English media and even those in the English camp might uh, underestimate. And then whoever makes it through the playoff. I mean, I would love to see Scotland play England again. I would, oh, love, yeah. it. I would love a rematch. Absolutely. And you know. the Scottish to knock them off this time as well. It would be even better. But having said all that, having concern trolled my way through that explanation, I do think England's going to top the group. Yeah, and I think they'll go far in this tournament. My only concern is I think the biggest talking point that will come out of England as it is with a lot of these big nations is who is the 23 that or 23 or 25. I don't know what the, the cap limit is this year with squads. But who goes to the World Cup because their squad selection has polarised for quite some time. Um, and you look at their last team they selected, there are quite a few big-name players that were left out due to injury or other reasons or not having a subscription to the Italian Serie A. Uh, I don't think Gareth Southgate even knows if Akaya Tamori exists. Um, but looking at some of the players that weren't selected, I mean, this is how deep they are. Guys like John Stones, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James, Kyle Walker, Ben Chilwell, Kieran Trippier, Fakaya Tamori. Uh, Eric Dyer as well, who's been in and out of the team. Calvin Phillips out with injury. Bakaya Saka, Tammy Abraham, Marcus Rashford, Jaden Sancho, Dominic Calvin. Uh, let's, let's just stop you right there. Marcus Rashford is not going to the World Cup. Come but, on. No, he probably won't. But I'm just saying, in terms of mm. a big name quality player, when he's at his best, he's in the England squad. So it's like, okay, when you look at the players that were selected for the last lot of games, you'd have to think, you know, players like Tyreek Mitchell, Tyrone Mings, you'd have to think Tyrone Mings misses out ahead of Fakaya tomorrow. No disrespect to Tyrone Mings. But Tamori's a better player than you. Um, Mark Wee as well. Connor Cody. Uh, Kyle Walker-Peters, for God's sake. You know, uh, you know, there's there's depth in midfield as well and up front. But, you know, they've got, there's got to be some give and take here with some of the guys that are missing out. I guess so. Um, Mark Gay uh, actually played pretty well, I thought. Um, yeah, but for Kyle Tamori, John Stones or Mark Gay? 
Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, John Stones has been um, very much uh, had a mistake in him, let's say, in a big game. So I can yeah, understand looking for other players. John Stones has been pretty and, nice. And, you season. know, taking the time to experiment. You know, Conor Gallagher, I think, is actually a very good player and is sort of the energetic force that you love to throw into the midfield yeah, so. with 20 minutes to go. He's a very enthusiastic player, so I could see him making it. I mean, Crystal Palace has been really good this season. But it would be nice for uh, Southgate to look beyond the shores of the uh, of the Premier League. Well, he's got two players literally dominating mm. in Serie A at either end in Tomori and Abraham. I, Especially Abraham. Is, Abraham's a game changer for him as true. well. That's true. But the, the thing is with England, it almost doesn't matter who they take in in midfield and in the for like in the in defence and in the forward line because the midfield is where the the World Cup will be won and lost for them. Yeah. And unless Jude Bellingham really steps up and takes this tournament by the scruff of the neck, and he's still so so young, I don't see another progressive English midfielder no. to make this side. Hey, well, if you tick. ask West Ham supporters, they're going to tell you Declan Rice because he has the most carries into the final third. Apparently, even though he's, I think that's that is a bit bollocks. I actually haven't seen it. I've just heard it from West Ham fans. Uh, I can well. just pull it out from there. <laughs> I mean, but he's he's doing that in Premier League games that are extremely end to end and very open. And international yeah. football has played it so at a much. Cagey. It's it's played at a very different pace, mm. and we saw it. Like you, you don't have to. You know, try and use West Ham stats to back up Declan Rice. You, you can just look at the evidence in front of you, which mm. is the Euros. And England were incredibly stodgy. They were very defensively sound. Uh, they got through to the final based on that kind of discipline. But it was actually Calvin Phillips who was their most progressive midfield yeah. player, probably their best player. And he's been out with injury all season. So he's not coming into this tournament in good form. So it's their midfield that concerns yeah. me. And I don't think Jordan Henderson is going to fix it. Well, I think for me... From the players that did miss out, I'm looking at these players here mm. from who missed out. I'd be taking Saka. I'd be taking Tammy Abraham. I think if Jaden Sancho mm. finishes the season well and goes into next season with a good run, I think Jaden Sancho goes. Mm. But then again, it's like a way up of do you take Jaden Sancho or do you take one of, you know, Emil Smith Rowe, Ollie Watkins? You know, are you taking, mm. how do you fit Grealish, Foden, you know, and Jaden Sancho? I mean, the other one is as well, if you ask, again, West Ham supporters, we had this one in the group chat, Jared Bowen, apparently in the England I squad like as Jared well. Bowen. But ahead of the others? It's, it's tough. It's tough. And then, you know, the defenders they've got out at the moment, Alexander Arnold. I mean, there are some, going? There's some underperforming Manchester United players who I'd happily drop from the England squad in favour of, uh, of Jared well, Bowen. Well, I mean, in terms of who? Well, Rashford wasn't picked. No, that's true. Um, but, you know, like I, I think a lot of the time the English squad is based on NRI and who's yeah. playing for the big clubs. And that's not necessarily the way it should be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, like Jack Grealish will get called up regardless of what he does for Manchester City. I think he's been appallingly bad. Mm. This hey, he's signed, to deal with with Gu- signed to deal with Gucci. You know, well, he's, he's been playing with a straight jacket on. He's the, yeah. he, all he's contributed all season is I'm going to control the ball from the switch and pass it back to Cancelo, who's going to do the actual creative yeah. work. And whether that's just Pep Guardiola's instructions, putting him in a straight jacket, or whether mm. he's actually dipped, uh, I'm not convinced that his club form deserves... But will he still be in a stray jacket for England? Probably. Well, he's probably not going to get on the pitch. Yeah, that's, for that's the other so thing we saw as that well. In Euros, everyone yeah. was you know clamouring for Jack because the English have this preoccupation with the you know Gascoigne like creative genius who's going to win yeah. in the tournament. Uh, to be honest, I, I I think Phil Foden is probably more likely to see minutes for England at the World Cup Maybe than Jack Grealish is. Might. That's a good point. He's had a really good season. That's a good and point. He's, he's not been involved he's much. He's actually been pretty damn he good. Has to, he has to go, yeah. and they have to start incorporating him now. The other interesting one to keep an eye on is about Reese James, as if Reese James gets his move, which apparently mm. he's handed in a transfer request to Chelsea. 
Um, and if he gets his move away from there and whether he, you know, gets that opportunity then to come on up and go to a different club, maybe that might throw him back in there. But it'll be interesting to see how they do line up come that time as well. I think the other one to keep an eye on is Aaron Ramsdale. I wouldn't be surprised if he trumps Jordan Pickford by the time we get around to the... Sounds World like we're well. very high on the Arsenal players and pretty low. No, hey, they're in form. That's true. They're in form. They're fun I to mean, watch as well. It's yeah. hard not to be biased in favour of the team that you actually like switching on and watching. It's but a, we'll talk about more amazing, of this on the EPL yeah, show. It's amazing so how things have changed. Let's talk about one of the three teams to emerge. Who are you picking, Wales, Scotland or Ukraine, to be that second European team? To get team? through. Mm. Who, like, what team would excite you the most out of those three? For me, in terms of storyline, Ukraine. I think it'd be great That's to true. see Ukraine in terms of, you know, what they've gone through as a nation. In terms of, you know, banter, Scotland. Yep. In terms of, you know, a player that could actually beat England by himself with one bit of individual brilliance, Wales. Because Gareth Bale could just score a free kick and that's that. Yeah, and Aaron Ramsey scored in the old firm derby last night. Yeah, as he well. did. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. So I think I think we'd be happy with either of them. I don't know who's getting through. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to say Ukraine just because I think the whole situation is going to affect yeah. them. It's um, going to be hard for them. I, I risk alienating myself in the FNR group chat now, but I, I'm going to say Wales are going to get there. I'm saying Scotland, though. Yeah? I'm saying Scotland. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we'll group C, the only European side is Poland, and it feels like every time they're in a tournament, a group stage exit mm. always looms because they are so reliant on one player, and that is Robert Lewandowski. It is a tough group with Argentina, Mexico, and Saudi Arabia. I can't see Poland progressing. I think Argentina and Mexico are nailed on. Um, Poland any, are bad. Any, any love for them? Anything? No. Poland, Nothing? Poland are bad. They might finish third. Look, if Pistolero or Piotek can you know, maybe chop out and help out, Maybe, but I don't even think he's going to see minutes, and I don't think him and Lewandowski can play together. Well, it doesn't so, help. Even no. if they do play together, it doesn't help because you need service for both yeah, of them. Yeah, and it's not going to happen. So. And if you're relying on one player as an individual in international football, uh, mm. you can't really be a goal poacher because no. they just get shut out of games. You need a creative genius in midfield or on the wing to do, do the heavy lifting for you. So it looks like we are all anti-Poland in this one, unfortunately. Well, anti-Poland, not anti, but just but, uh, down on. We're, we're pessimistic. We've on. seen Poland at that many tournaments since Lewandowski's come into his own. We've always been, when are Poland going to actually take the next step? But yeah. it's like we then quickly remember very, very rapidly that, you know, teams aren't won based off one awesome player. You know, we learned that very, very quickly. And we Poland are Polish Poland. pessimists yes. and we're proud of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Let's go to Group D. Um, Denmark and France... The Aussies are also potentially in this group. Um, let's start with the Danish because they were very good at the Euros. You know, I love starting with their, the Danish. That's my favorite uh, way to start best, the day, mate. Best way to say that. A nice cafe as well. I mean, it, I mean, Danish croissants. It's your choice for Denmark and France, and I think we're going with Danish on this one. Denmark. Uh, it depends. It depends if they smother the Danish with icing. It it ruins it. Yeah, but if there's not enough, if there's little icing. Then we've got a good Danish. So, yeah, yeah no, that's what we want. And we don't want to have too much of, because we know Denmark's got a lot of good attackers. Mm. We don't want too much sweetness. We want a bit of a balance. That's what Denmark's yeah. got. You need your custard. You need your filling. Yeah, and you need, absolutely. You need a solid pastry. You need a base to build from. And I think Denmark's got all the elements right now. Now, Denmark were brilliant in Euro, 2020, uh, Euro 2020 in turning around what was such a tough situation, that opening game against Finland after the Christian Eriksen situation, to make it all the way to the semis. And you know, come within a whisker of making the final, sending England all the way to extra time. And actually led thanks to Mikkel Damsgaard. Now, Denmark this time around... How has he played this season, by the way? Mikhail, he's he... very quiet. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, haven't heard he a just, heap from uh, him. Um, I'm actually going to double-check. They were going to think... sell him for €40 million Euros or something in the summer, and then so, they, he didn't... 
Damsgaard has only played. He was, in all fairness, actually, he's been injured all season. He's been out since October. Okay, so that's also something. He's only played sense. seven games, so that's something to keep an eye on. But another player, I was expecting to see him in a Champions League team for before long, based on the Euros performances. Well, I honestly think another when if he can return from injury for, for Sampdoria, whether it is the end of this season or next season, it could put him in good light. And this tournament might help that as well. But Denmark this time around will have Christian Eriksen because Christian Eriksen is back and he's playing well. That's one thing to remember as well. It's not just just that he's playing. He's hitting some good form. My only concern with Denmark is how do they respond post-Simon Kier ACL injury because he's coming off an ACL. He is 32 years old. What sort of player will he be? Because he's a linchpin at the heart of the fence alongside Andreas Christensen. I am very curious to see how Denmark respond from that. But I have a lot of faith in this team because you saw how they rallied around after Ericsson's, you know, such unfortunate circumstances and how they were able to progress and do as well as they did. I get a good feeling they could top this group. I genuinely think they could. If all they need to do really is just get a point off France, get two big wins against Tunisia and one of the UAE, Australia and Peru, and that could be enough for them. And I think that they could do some real damage in this World Cup. I'm not too concerned about them at centre-back. Uh, because they have Joachim Anderson who, mm. from Crystal Palace, as well as Yannick Vestergaard, yeah. obviously. Uh, so I think they've got enough quality to cover. Obviously, neither of them of Kier's caliber. But in terms of a leadership void, Kasper Schmeichel has to fill that. Yeah, uh, and I'm confident he will. Actually, I, I think he's a he's a great leader from from goalkeeper. Mm. Uh, in terms of the midfield, they're a little bit stodgy. But Christian Eriksen, of course, adds so so much, and yeah. it's so good to see him back on the pitch, scoring Moving against away Chelsea. From guys like Delaney and Hoiberg as partners in midfield and going yeah, very well, stodgy. And I mean, you know, Hoiberg will still play. They'll probably play Norgard in there yeah. as well who's done well for Brentford. But, you know, they, they usually go with a double pivot or mm. two more defensively minor midfielders than Ericsson. I think at international level, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. For a team like Denmark, you know, they, they're not going to set the world on fire. But uh, I think I, I think they've they've got a decent team. Whether they can back up and have a run like they did in the Euros, I'm not sure. Tough. Um, that would be tough. But they did beat Serbia 3-0 in their last game. Mm. Um, and, you know, they only lost 4-2 to the Netherlands as well, which... Not the best result, but, uh, you know, beating a team like Serbia is, is a good platform to go from. Um, and the the last World Cup qualifier uh, that they lost last year against Scotland was when they were mm. already qualified, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Yeah. So these Nations League games in June will be pretty instructive. They're playing France in the yeah. first game of the Nations League. They've got so, tough games as well, Austria and Croatia as well in June. Yeah, and all, yeah So you t- you'll, games, be, yeah. you'll learn a lot about the Danish national team, where they're at then, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't know that they top the group ahead of France. Yeah, I think if they get Kier back and Kier is anything like he was before pre-injury where he was just in blistering form for club and country. That will certainly help them out. And also from the intangible sense of having a leader like Simon Kier, you know, one of the best leaders in world football, you know, he's, he's a, he's, he galvanizes the group and having Christian Eriksen back as well. I wonder if they can ride that momentum, you know, mm. and really get it together on paper, but let's move on France um, world champions. Now we spoke about the curse. I said something wrong last time we spoke about this. Okay. I have made a factual error. I, I said that no World Cup winner since 1998 had made it past the group stage in the next World Cup. Uh, yeah, well, Brazil uh, actually, didn't. Brazil yeah. did but in 2006, in but they went out in the round of six quarters against France. 1-0 loss. You're right. It was the quarters. But you can still say that was a disappointment based on oh, the mate, talent in that squad. Again, they had Ronaldinho, yeah. Kaká, Ronaldo, like, yeah. uh, Adriano as well at, like, at his peak. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pez Adriano, yeah. just score from anywhere. 
Um, we, we, we all know that Brazil side from when Australia played them. So mm. uh, we know that that was an underachievement. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, Brazil are the only World, uh, World Cup winners to back up in the next tournament and actually make it out of the mm. group stage. So, so whether France it. will fall into the curse... Well, let's hope it's at Australia's expense mm. and Australia gets there and Australia's the team that knocks them out. But let, let's talk about the French. I mean, is this Deschamps' last... I don't, I don't even want to call it Deschamps' last dance because I think we all hope it is Deschamps' last dance so France could stop playing such uh, culture terrorismo and actually start playing uh, and realise their full like, potential. Managers, managers have a, a sell-by date. It has to be, it has to be over yeah. for him. Um how do you see, I mean, because this is also a conundrum with France. Karim Benzema's back now. We saw him back at the Euros. Mm. We spoke about this actually a little bit on TNC last night. But do France go, you know, same sort of diamond setup, you know, now having Teo Hernandez at left back, who's going to give him a lot more than what Adrian Rabiot was giving at left wing back in the in the Euros? Uh, do we see some sort of front three with, you know, Griezmann playing in behind and Mbappe and Benzema as sort of that, you know, They've been playing 3-4-3 three, three recently, yeah. or 3-5-2. They've brought Olivier Giroud back into the system, which means only one thing. He's going to play a role. And it doesn't he, matter if he's scoring for Milan or not. And he might break Thierry Henry's record. Too. He's close. He's, he's not close. far away. Yeah. He's not far away, which is amazing. Look, I, I think Deschamps will, like when coaches are under pressure, they generally default to what they know. And Deschamps will, will end up playing Giroud at this World Cup. I think that's the wrong decision from like a ceiling perspective because mm. Benzema is a much more talented forward who could do much more for yeah. you. Now, you know, not to underplay Giroud's qualities. I mean, his goal scoring record speaks for mm. itself, uh, but that's to do with his longevity as well yeah. as you know because he didn't score a goal in 2018 when no, they won the thing. No. So, uh, I personally would prefer Benzema in the starting lineup, but he has a very fractious relationship with the French public yeah. and with the media. And he's been very vocal on certain racial issues in France, which doesn't necessarily endear him to the French public. Uh, you know, he said he's made comments like, I'm French when I win and Algerian when I lose, which, yeah. you know, he's speaking the truth. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt about... I think there's a lot of French players that are, you know, maybe in that same boat as well, yeah. technically, you know. France France has huge, huge racial politics yeah. issues. Um, there's a, a really good documentary on uh, on Netflix that uh, that covers that, yeah. um, if people are interested in exploring that that issue further. Um, but I, uh, it, it, you know, it was it's all about how the 98 World Cup win didn't quite uh, lead to the sort of racial harmony that, um, you know, yeah. that everybody hailed it as at the time. Um, and that kind of stuff wore off, and then it came to a almost a head in in 2010 with the the team that the Dominic with the Dominic thing Dominic and, and Elker yeah. and Patrice Ever and everything. Uh, so I I I think Giroud will end up playing, and that will put a ceiling on this team. But I do find it interesting that they've changed the formation because yeah. they've got some amazing central defensive players, including mm. Jules Kunde, who I think is the next. Well, they big they went star. to a back three during the Euros, but they just didn't like to use a terminology I hate using. They didn't have the cattle to actually fit the system. Mm. But now that they've actually picked Teo Hernandez for this World Cup, I think it's understated how important he would be. This is not me speaking just as a Milan enough, but how good of a form he's well, not been just in. as a Milan enough. No, no, no. But At least like, partially as a Milan Yeah, Milano. look, but seeing how Teo Hernandez played, especially in those Nations League finals, and he scored that all-important goal against Belgium, helped lead them from the back, really just gives them that extra driving force and the service. I mean, players like Benzema and Giroud will thrive off that sort of service all game if Teo Hernandez is bombing up the flank million miles an hour like he does all game. But maybe that system might work best for them. I mean, going three at the back might be all right. I mean, well, Varane probably gets called up again. 
Jules Conde, Kimpembe. I mean, it's pick and choose whoever it's going to be in the back. Lucas Hernandez. You know Hernandez why I well. don't think they're going to win this World Cup is because the older players will end up clinging on to their spots in the big games. And it, this always happens when a manager has a successful team. He sticks to his favourites. And although Deschamps has been experimenting yeah. in the friendlies, when we come down to the crunch, I do not believe that he's going to bring these new players through. I think he's going to go back uh, you know, to the cattle that he uh, won the, the tournament with in 2018, yeah. and some of them will be just past their peak. So I don't think you're going to see an Aurelia and Tushimani in, in the World Cup. Well, we're probably going to see Adrien Rabiot and uh, Angola. Speaking, of, speaking yeah. of favorites, geez, yeah. like, I don't know who you know that guy's parents are. But uh, well, yeah. his mum is like his number one fan. Slight, well, fair that enough. Guy, that agent, guy keeps you know. failing upwards in, into the yeah. upper echelons of European football. What's the famous quote from Denzel Washington? Fail forwards. Adrian <laughs> Rabiot has done that like. That's been his entire career. And it was funny seeing, we'll talk about the game a little bit later on, the Derby d'Italia, but James Horncastle, she tweeted this morning, was like, Rabiot is actually playing good. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like he's actually playing well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that happens because that means if he's going to do mm. that, he's going to have to bring back guys like Musa Sissoko, Anthony Martial, mm. um, you know, Corinton Tolisso has been playing I don't think much. Martial comes back. I don't think he's, he's going to. No. But... <sighs> Yeah, I, I'd like to think so. That I mean, like, back. would I be blown away to see a France recall for like Blaise Matuidi? Not at no, all. No, not at no, all. not at all. Doesn't and matter where he's playing. <laughs> I don't even think. I think he's retired, hasn't he? Oh, is he? Is he uh, playing like the golf? I, I, I don't know. I, I thought he went to the US MLS? or something. But um, let's have a look. Where is Matuidi at these Matuidi days? This is the kind of f- no. He's uh, oh, he's retired. He's oh, retired. Yeah, all right. Well, I actually now I would be surprised. He retired to young. He was spent a year at Inter Miami and then said, oh, "I want to finish." I thought he was up. still at Inter Miami. But anyway, uh, that ruins that one. But you yeah. know, players of that ilk, like Varane, hasn't been very good at Manchester Steve United. Mandanda will come out and be exactly. the backup again, just for moral support. And <laughs> you know, Mike Mignon will be dropped. You know, Lloris will play because he's. <laughs> I swear, if Mike Mignon's not starting, I will be on the phone to Didier myself. Well, you better get his number because I really think we're going to have a couple of puzzling selections that are more to do with personality and experience than they are with performances. And that's yeah. why I think France won't, won't, won't back up and do it again. Let's go well, on I to the I think they'll group progress, in. but yeah, it'd be tough. Yeah, no, I yeah. think they're getting out of the group. I let's, don't think they fall into the curse category. Let's speed through some of these favourites uh, or some of the bigger name countries. Germany. Tough group with Spain, Japan, and one of Costa Rica and New Zealand. I said yesterday on TNC they're not going to make it past the group stage, and I stick by that. I don't think Germany – I think Germany are getting ready to fall off an absolute cliff, and I think it's already started. Have they not already fallen off that cliff? Well, if they haven't already, they're teetering on just like by one branch. Like they're they're hanging on for dear life. I mean, at the Euros, they weren't very – they weren't very good. I mean, they got through, what was it, in third place off a two-all draw against Hungary where they should have lost, and then they lost against England in the round of 16. But, the, but uh, Lowe was still in charge at the Euros, though, wasn't he not? Yes. So now it's different. It is different now. Now it's different. Yeah. I mean, You know, they've got Jamal Musiala now. You know, they're, they're bringing through a couple of new players, even if most of them do play for Bayern, which is always the case. Of course. Uh, but I just don't think you can win a tournament with Timo Werner up front. I just don't think well, you can is, do it. Well, is Hansi Flick going to be able to find the answers for them? Uh, I I think they need to – I need to see more Julian, Julian Brandt. Uh, I need to see – More Robin Gossens back in the squad yeah, as well, be important for him at left wing back. And I, I need to see more Thomas Muller up front and less Timo Werner because yeah. – They need a finisher, man. They don't Tim- have a finisher than Thomas Muller, you know. Timo, like, Timo, Timo's supposed to be a finisher, but he's. I think he. I think he, he just, just has too quick big. For his own he, good, you no, know? he just has big game yips. Yeah, the guy, the guy you can't rely on him in a, in a knockout game. Well, so probably, I, don't, I don't think they're going to yeah, go far. Those are guys that have weren't called up last time around. 
Serge Gnabry you think will be back in the team. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even you mind. Know, um, I wouldn't even mind uh, Kai Havertz as a false nine. <laughs> Can you see them going to a false nine uh, under uh, look, the Hansi Flick? Under Hansi Flick, I, I don't. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, but yeah, I I think they've got a little bit of. Uh, trouble with again that older generation of players who was initially dropped mm. under low and then brought back, you know, Muller and Hummels and all those guys. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think they're starting to move on from them, but interesting to see. There still it still yeah. seems to be between between generations, which I is amazing after all these years. F- find it very hard to progress from this group. I think Japan are going to s house their way past them and. and wow. Okay. Well, well I think bit. Spain topped the group. Yeah, though. I think Spain are actually they're actually my favourite to win it. Mm. I think that if they get it going on the pitch this time around, they get the right cattle out there as well. I think they're going to be so hard to stop. Um, I think the one thing will be interesting is who's in goals. We spoke about that last week. Will it be David De Gea? I think I think, it it's Unai Unai Simon? I think it's Unai Simon. Um, it's a new era, I mean, you know, f- for Spain. Um, there's a lot of guys. I, I, I think the interesting one is we saw um, Luis Enrique move away from Sergio Ramos at the Euros. Is Sergio Busquets next? Is he the next Bambi, you know, taken out the back and, you know, put out to rest, unfortunately? Um, is this his last go around? I mean, they've got enough talent to fill the Sergio Busquets void if they decide mm. against picking him. But I think it's getting to that stage now where if you want to be serious, like this is this is just being straight up, I think you've got to move past Busquets. Busquets still defends very well on the front foot, which is but counterintuitive. I think, it, but I think it might be time to move past him, though. I think Colke is being groomed in that role now. It's a little bit late, but um, thirty, <laughs> you, know, you know, he's finally inheriting that jersey. Uh, yeah. I suspect, but I would be hypocritical if I, you know, claimed that you couldn't win a tournament with Timo Werner up front, and then I said Alvaro Morata is going to be just fine. Hey. Like, you can never, you, you never know hey. when. You never know. Like, don't you, hate on my boy. We all saw what happened at the Euros. We all saw yeah, his well, complete I, mental collapse. He's got to play with a strike partner, though. But, oh, they're not going to play with a strike partner. That's how Morata's going to fr- thrive. He plays better when he's off playing off the shoulder with someone else. Well, unless they move Olmo inside, that's not going to happen. No. Uh, Luis Garcia... Uh, sorry, Luis Garcia. Luis Enrique, thank you, uh, prefers the four-three-three. So that's, that's how they're going to say I hope it. they pick Fabian Ruiz, though, Josh. I would love to see Fabian Ruiz at this tournament. Very interested to see Jeremy Pino in the f- yes. mix. We spoke about him a few weeks ago scoring four goals in uh, for Villarreal in the mm. match. So he's, does, he's playing does his way in. Anzul Fati or Mikel Oyezabal or Adama Traore, did they work their way in as well? <sighs> Look, the, the, the net is cast so wide under Luis Enrique, it's almost impossible to predict what the starting 11 is yeah. actually going to be. But they've got such a deep pool of players that I think they're a decent pick to go to go far. That's that's almost the weakness of yeah. this team, that you don't know uh, what their best lineup is. But I think they'll probably settle on Rodri in the holding midfield role rather than Busquets and um, and Pedri playing and ahead of him with Olmo somewhere mm. sort of drifting around the forward line. Let's talk about the Kings of NRI Belgium. They're in the next group with uh, Croatia, Canada, and Morocco. I mean, Belgium's um, golden generation was done in yeah, after 2018. This is, this is a very different Belgian team based off who they selected for the last go around. Yeah, but so, the last, last go yes. around, they, they decided to rest everybody. Absolutely. That's, that's not reflective of who's going to play but in But the question is December. that I have for you, Josh. Now, Jan Vertonghen is 34 now. Toby Alderweireld is 33 they haven't retired from international football, but it's not as if Belgium have a lot of centre-backs at the moment no. coming through. Do they both go? Do they have to go almost by default, the two mm. greatest words in the English language? 
Um, how many of those old cat of, the, of that golden generation get picked? Does Eden Hazard even get selected anymore? Because he's not even playing. Is yeah, he the tough nice selection? <laughs> Potentially, or it could be the other way around. Maybe I, just he hasn't been playing. It's going to be even more disastrous for them. I I think they do because it's too late to really start bringing through a new group and. You know, they'll go based on reputation alone. I think Belgium are going to fail at this tournament. You know, if there's one team who's got to go out in the group stage, I think Belgium are a decent shout. But also, they tend to perform better in the lower lower pressure games and then end up, you know, choking later on. So, I don't know. I don't know where to slot them, but it's not going to be top of the group for me. Yeah, I think a lot of it also is relying on Romelu Lukaku. He's got a score because past And he's him, not in a good like, place right now. No, and he also doesn't play well in a front three, and they play that 3-4-3, three, three, and I don't know whether that's going to work for them. Unless they go to that 3-4-1-2, play Kevin De Bruyne in behind, and maybe him and Drees Mertens up top, or you know whether it is Jeremy Doku, who I think, honestly, Jeremy Doku's got to be the guy that they strap the Jeremy Doku's to. great, but he's such an individualist. Like It's almost like a good when player, I When man. he came on, was it against Italy in the yeah, Euros? Yeah, was very good that He was great, well. but everything became about him and whether he could succeed. And if they weren't going to score through him, then they weren't going to score regardless. Mm. And I, I found that a little bit the same watching Adama Traore. Like they're similar, <laughs> they're similar in that... Once you get them the ball, they're going to dribble and they're probably going to beat someone, but then you have no idea what's going to happen. But you might need that against teams like Canada and Morocco who are going to sit back. You need someone yeah, who's going to be able to they, take Yeah, but they don't really on, buy know? into the team concept, I guess. is the, That's my issue with players like Doku and So Traore. you know who's going to play then? My boy Salamaker, Alexis Salamakers. I tell you what, strap the rocket to him, man. He's going to be the, the difference maker. Okay. Let's talk about um, Croatia because our friend Ante Jukic has already said they're going to top the group. He's already looked past the group stage. He's looking at semis. He's looking at this is it. We're going to win the World Cup this time around. We're going to go one better. Now, if you listen to him, Croatia are ready. They're primed. They're ready to go. The Modric's last dance. Yes, even though that was supposed to be the Euros, but yeah, he, but he's still been, sticking it's around. Been, uh, it's been delayed. There's a sequel to it. Um, can you see them doing it? No, I, I could. They'll, they'll progress for me. They'll progress. They'll pro- I can't I think, see. I can't see. Them, I can't see him winning. It. I can't see them going to the final again with Zlatko Dalic. I think. I don't think lightning strikes twice for a coach that mediocre. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see that midfield combination. This, 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 this is Modric's last dance. He's not going like, to go around look, after I, this. I like the formation that they're playing at the moment. But, yeah, but, you know, but Dalic is one of those guys who just picks based on reputation and seniority rather than performances mm. and attributes. So I, I think when push comes to shove, our friend Ante is going to be quite frustrated and throwing things at his TV when he look, sees the lineups An- come out. Ante wants to see some sort of combination with you know Lovro Maja and Kristen Jakic and Nikola Vlasic with Modric in there. But in reality, we're going to be ending up with Mateo Kovacic, Modric, and Bro- Brozovic as the three. Now, mm. two of those guys are fantastic, but we know what Mateo Kovacic is like. He's just going to run all day, and he's going to spam late runs. Is that going to be conducive to what Croatia want to do? Maybe not. So, I mean, Kovacic's problem is he just doesn't really move off the ball enough. Like, he, he, he can dribble out of... the ball. He's going to take on plays. It's always he, he can dribble do. out of a phone box, but, yeah, he's he's kind of lazy off, off yeah. the ball. Like... I, I, he's got the attributes to be that that late for third man runner, but I don't know if he has the attitude to, to do that. Just give me the ball at the edge of the box, and I'll just absolutely ping it from range. Yeah, well, the thing is, he doesn't even score that often as well. His yeah. goal scoring record's really bad, so he, he's a player who flatters to deceive for mm. me. So you're saying they're going to go through though? Oh, Croatia will go through for yeah. sure. I think they might even top the group, but uh, as for winning the tournament, I have my my doubts. Group G, race through these two teams, Serbia and Switzerland. Uh, again, 
We're I like the, Serbia. I like Serbia. But yeah. I like Switzerland as well because they actually... They, they, I don't like Switzerland. They, I think I Switzerland think, are trash. I think Jan Sommer's going to pull something out of his hat. Uh, He's always got something up his sleeve. I think Switzerland's going to actually finish second in this group and they're going to make their way somehow to the quarterfinals. Switzerland might be bottom of the group for me, out of the group stage. Really? Yep. You think Cameroon's Bra- going to finish above no, them as well? Yeah, maybe, but uh, three and four don't really care. Brazil and Serbia are going through. Okay, last team, Portugal. I hope they go out and they finish bottom of the group, but they probably won't. Uh, one player I want to see do well at this tournament is, of course, Rafael Leal, but we know he's not going to play because they'll mm. go Ronaldo, Joel Felix, and Bruno yeah. Fernandes. So what do you think with Portugal? I mean, does Rafael Leal really deserve to play ahead of all those guys? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm <laughs> yes. not going to get any of this. Yes. I mean, they've got so many good forward players, though. <laughs> you know what, though? Rafael Bernardo Leal Silva. coming off the bench for 25 not, minutes at the end might be worth it. Yeah. Uh, for, as a bench player, yeah, sure. But uh, And I, obviously, I'd, I'd, I've made my, my opinion on Ronaldo pretty clear, but I don't think... You know, I don't think Liao should be the one starting. It yes. should be it should be Zhao Felix. I know you want to say it, Josh. Yes, Rafael. Liao I, do, I don't want to say it. No, say I, it I won't say it. I just I won't say it. It's preposterous. And we've got a Milan Milan fanboy <laughs> next to me. Won't listen to reason. But I hope Portugal beat Uruguay because uh, you know they, Ghana needs their revenge. Yeah, I hope that Portugal don't progress. I don't like Portugal at all. And they're I bad want, to watch. Yeah, they're, and they still got bloody Pepe playing yeah, for and them, and they can't progress from third, so they're not going to make it. So you know, they got Pepe and Jose Fonts need to be retired and stay in retirement. And this and this manager needs to go. Like, yeah. Santos is just he's the worst, most boring manager. Why he do, won a tournament. Now he's now he's invincible. Why do Portugal always get such terrorist managers? It just feels like they never get an inventive manager. No. Yeah. They're always reason. such conservative managers, pragmatists. Well, I, I think they all take after Mourinho. I mean, the Mourinho effect is, is real. Like you one day one day Mourinho is going to coach this team. Yeah, so. And I, I I think that needs to be soon, to be honest. I think he's going to be, be next. He could be next in line if he, if he wants to step away from club management. But, yeah, Portugal, Let's, Portugal. I think they probably will go through in the group, but I don't want them to. Let's take a break, Josh. We've gone through all the European nations at the World Cup. We'll talk more about the World Cup so we get closer to it. But we'll, when we come back, we'll skim through. We'll mm. take a look at some of the club action on the weekend. There was a lot of excitement from all the big leagues. We'll kick it off with the old firm. We'll be back in just a second here on the Euro Show on FNR. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to get that, did you? You don't have to get that, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare! Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Miss any of the program? Make sure you head over to our podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, wherever you get it. Catch up on the start of the show. We spoke a little bit about, well, not a little bit, actually quite a bit about the World Cup draw and all the European extensive, nations. extensive European preview of the World yes. Cup. It's hard to make it through, even eight though groups. it is like very early before the World Cup. We're still like seven months away, but we kind of did a bit of early crystal balling ahead of yeah. that. So. Uh, Go check it out. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. You know, be scathing. Let us know what you... Even any Portuguese fans out there that want to just tell us you guys are just nuffs and you you just want to see bad things happen to us. Well, yes, we do want to see bad things happen mm. to the national team. But anyways, let's talk a little bit about club football. We're back this weekend. We're now getting into the nitty-gritty. About two months left of club football before the end of the season. Title race is heating up. But let's start over in Scotland. Old Firm Derby last night. Celtic... 2-1 winners, six points clear on top of the table. Josh, Ange doesn't want to read into it. He doesn't want to say it's over just yet. 
but they at least have one hand on the premiership right now. They are closing in, and that was a big win last night. A bit of revenge as well for earlier in the season in the process as well. Well, I, I think this is more of a revenge game for Rangers, to be honest, for after the 4 0 yeah. thrashing. Oh, people forget uh, with the, the way Scotland works, these teams meet multiple times, like oh, more yeah, than twice per season, because, yeah. because the league splits in half halfway through, and then they have the relegation league and, and the, the title pre- league, yeah. which is actually a cool way to do it. It's like having finals, except. It's cool you know, for a, like a small league, like yeah. a 12 team league or 14 team league, whatever they're. Is it, it 12 or 14? Whatever it is. Whatever. Who cares? Um, <laughs> who cares what Ross County are doing or whatever at the bottom of the table? Uh, but, you know, Celtic, they went down after three minutes, mm. uh, which, you know, at Ibrox, I was fearing the worst because you saw, you know, the the kind of uh, the issue that they were suffering in the, this fixture last time seemed to be mental one. You know, mm. the, the intimidating atmosphere. They didn't seem to play their best football. Uh, but they recovered immediately. Tom Rogic scoring just four minutes later. And then uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers with a pretty scrappy goal, it must be yep. said, off a free kick. The ball just fell to him or happened to fall to him in the right spot and he smashed it in. And uh, Celtic were, I guess, I would say the better team throughout. Um, you know, the Rangers didn't have too many chances and the uh, the Rangers keeper actually had to pull off a couple of really, really good saves to keep them in the game. Um, so aside from a bottle being thrown at Joe Hart, uh, mm. you know, it was pretty uneventful for Rangers, even if they did have that late, late chance to to level it uh, through uh, K- uh, Kamar Roof. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, it's six points clear now, Josh. We saw Tom Rogic get an hour in the legs as well, coming back from injury that saw him miss the World Cup qualifiers. So it's good to see him back out there and also scoring. And you can but, see you can see why he's such a legend in Celtic fans' yeah. eyes when he score, keeps scoring these big really goals. important goals in big, big games. Big game time. Big <laughs> game time. Uh, good to see. And one game left before we head into the split. Uh, they Celtic play St. Johnston on Sunday. Rangers have got St. Mirren. That's also on Sunday. So... St. Mirren are 10th, St. Johnston are 11th. So that's big heading into the next part of the season. But Celtic and Rangers already will meet again in the Scottish Cup. I believe that's in the final. Mm. That's on the 17th of April. Uh, just yep, there's a semi-final, actually. They'll play the winner of Hearts and Hibs on the... Who oh, also baby. Play. So, Darby's yes, on Darby's both sides galore. of the draw. That's actually pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty tasty Scottish Cup fixtures. I wonder if that was part of, like, you know, the draw process. It was like, we need to get them on opposite sides so we can get two derbies. And uh, then- there's 12 teams in the league, by the way. I've just looked it up. The two yeah. two, two uh, groups of six when it, when it splits halfway through the year. So this is in two weeks' time. Hearts Hibs at 9.15 p.m. on a Saturday night in Australia. And then the next night at 11 p.m., the old firm. Not the 9 o'clock friendly slot we got last night, but still okay. 11 p.m. is all right. But the night before... We know that, you know, Lockie Flanagan is going to be up and about, you know, for that one, for the Hearts versus Hibs uh, rivalry game on the Saturday. So that's going to be an absolute cracker, to say the least. But, Josh, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the Serie A. Two massive games over the weekend, or really over the last 24 hours, that have, again, as we always say, thrown a spatter in the works of the title race. Napoli 3, yeah, This Atalanta. is like that, that Simpsons meme with Bart. It's like, yeah. say the line, Nick. Say, the say line, it Nick. again. Yep. Throw a spanner in the works. Napoli 3, Atalanta 1. A big win for Napoli on the road. They stay within touching distance of Milan, who play tomorrow morning against Bologna. They've tied it up for the time being, but I believe at this point, at least according to FopMob, Milan are ahead of them uh, on head-to-head, even though Napoli have the superior goal correct, difference. Correct, correct. Um, 
And Milan have a game in hand. Yeah, as they well. play tomorrow morning against Bologna. So a good win for, for Napoli. Insigne with the early penalty, then a really nice set play routine for Matteo Politano's goal. A nice little dink, and Politano just slammed the ball past one Musso to make it 2 0. Darun pulled one back for Atalanta. But then your boy, Alfie Elmas, with the sealer. A lovely little finish at the end there to put the game to rest. So a good three points for Napoli. Um, and right now, they're right within touching distance, just making things quite interesting heading into the final seven, eight games of the season. I have one question coming out of this game, Nick. Yeah. Where was this Lorenzo Insigne when you really needed him? I said it last night on the pod, Josh, when that happened. I said, where the hell was this in that game? And to be honest, I still don't know. And it really irks me. It really does. But the big thing out of this is Atalanta are now down to seventh. They're eight points behind Juventus with a game in hand, but their hopes of getting back to the Champions League next season are right up in smokes right now. They're behind Roma, who are in form, and, and Lazio as well, who won on the weekend. So this is that, that's a big loss for Atalanta, but for, for Napoli, a massive, massive three points. It's put them in really good stead heading into this next little bit. Even without Victor Osserman as well, it's a big result for them. So good to see that... You know, we've, they're staying in touch. I was a bit worried that Napoli might start to fall off mm. a bit of a cliff. I know I'm, I'm a Milan fan. I'd love to see him fall off a cliff to make things a little less stressful. But usually at this stage, we've seen Napoli start to fall to bits. But this time around, they're sticking right in the hunt. Is Victor Osman ever going to get a consistent run of games? Like, what's going on with this guy? Well, I need to double check if he was injured or suspended for this game. Uh, he was... It seems like he's always missing to me. Yep, so let's have a look. Um, just confirming, because I thought I read that he might have been suspended. Well, he was he was playing yeah, against... Yeah, he, he, was, he was suspended. Uh, five yellow cards. That's yellow cards, yeah. okay, because I, I didn't see that because there was no there red was no card, red no. card in the last yeah. game. So, so he, five he played, yellow he cards. played in the last game. All right, well, that, that makes sense. So he's back for sense. Fiorentina Excellent. on the weekend. Let's move on to the other big fixture, the Darby d'Italia, the second Darby d'Italia of the weekend, the first one being Mullen Zebras versus Bulleen, the edition <laughs> on Friday night. But the uh, this is the, the second edition of it, the, the proper edition at the uh, Juventus Stadium. Into 1-0 winners, back on track, a massive result for them. Hakan Shalanoglu with a penalty. It was as boring as you'd expect it to be. Juventus had 22 shots to five, but only just trumped them in the XG. They rarely tested other than Denis Zakaria hitting the post. Vlaovic couldn't get into the game. He had one good opportunity, and that was about it. So, a retaken penalty, no yeah, less. Yeah, it was a retaken penalty after Chesney originally saved Chalonoglu's penalty. But um, well, it was actually retaken for an Inter infringement. Yeah, it was. So a bit of uh, maybe a bit of luck on Inter's side in that yeah, sense. But yeah, but because the ball ended up in the back of the net. Uh, well, there was loads. I mean, everybody was running into but the But still went the right way on the second penalty as well. It was, yeah. He almost got a hand to it. It's, too. it's bizarre, really. Um, you know, everybody was encroaching into the area. Usually, you know, you could have thrown a blanket over about 10 of them in that mm-hmm. situation. So, so uh, yeah, look, they, they pointed the spot again um, because, look, there was just so many players encroaching mm. and the ball ended up in the net. So, uh, Chalinoglu had to take it twice, got a reprieve, essentially, after mm-hmm. the save. And, uh yeah, good finish on the second attempt. Went the same way into the side netting. But this was a terrible game, especially for Inter, yeah. who had five shots for the entire match. But they needed this win. They just need to win this game. For the form they've been in, Like they, I don't think Inter fans mm. would be given two hoots about how they won this game because they have been in abhorrent form. So. And, hey, my boy Denzel Dunfrey is winning the penalty. So. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, he might be hitting some form now all of a sudden. <laughs> but Juve, I mean... I don't want to rule them out of the title race, but that's a hammer blow because they'd been in such good form in the league heading into this. They didn't actually play too badly. They tried to play with a little bit more initiative in this game and 
pressed Inter, which is a big surprise mm. when it comes to Juventus because usually they sit off, but they actually went and tried to play on the front foot. They and they put creating. Murata, Vlaovic, and Dybala in all in the same lineup, and they they you know they look Murata better actually, when all they all play. Uh, don't look at the flop mob rating. He actually did okay in this game, um, but you know Vlaovic just couldn't get into the game. Uh, he had one good opportunity. Z- Zakaria was very good off the bench. He hit the post with a really good chance in the second half, but. I think if Milan win tomorrow morning against Bologna, which they should, it's 10 points now for Juventus to, to, to catch up on. I think they've got to focus on what's coming behind them, and that's Roma, who won again mm. yesterday. They're only winning um, quite in these tight games at the moment, Roma, but they won 1-0 as well against Sampdoria this morning. If Vlavic scores that goal, and I know he didn't have much of a game, but if he scores that goal where he basically yeah. backheels it behind his own leg to spin onto it, you know, the uh, the, the trademark well. Marquette, uh, Federico Marquette move yeah. we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, he just lost his standing foot just when he was yeah. go- going for the right foot shot. And he was under a lot of defensive pressure, but mm. if he scores that, I mean, wow. Like, what, yeah. what a finish it's that would have been. On. But uh, nonetheless, Juventus uh, now set, still seven points behind. That can go to 10. Milan playing Bologna tomorrow. Tomorrow morning at 4.45. You must have That's been massive, bloody massive delighted game. to see that result, Nick. No, yeah. I wasn't. No? Because Inter and Napoli are still in the hunt. Inter are three points behind, still with that game in hand. Yeah, and but if Inter Milan aren't going to make it. It's, it's Juve that with the, the yeah, looming threat. but, like, you got to take one out of them, and you knock Juve off. They get so you would have preferred a draw then? Yeah, a draw would have been good. Just <laughs> not kill two birds with one stone. But anyways. Um, no, I, I think for Milan and Napoli, this is actually a great result, despite what the table says. You think because, so? Because look at the team's form coming into it. Juve had won how many straight? Yeah, but if, and, in, but and if Inter, Inter, Inter keep dropping points. But if Inter now use this to galvanize them in the run home, you know, that's... Uh, they're they're not going to do right. it. I, I hope you I can't. Right. Look, they're only three points off, but I really can't see this Inter side winning the league again. Well, I reckon it's one of Milan or Napoli now. Well, Milan, as we said, big game tomorrow morning against Bologna. they got basically mm. all the cattle back, Barquier. It's going to be a really, really good contest, um, you know. Because and you Milan, could extend that gap on Juve if yep. Milan win to 10 points. And it's a big shame that we won't have Sinisa Mihaljevic on the touchline. Again, he has uh, had a recurrence of a tumour. Yep. Yep. Um, so best wishes to Sinisha. Uh, he won't be there on the touchline. So Bologna will be turning to Miroslav Tanja to coach this game. It's Stefano Pioli's 100th Milan game in charge as well. He's had, I think as well, if he if Milan win, I think he goes down as the best Milan coach over 100 games since Ancelotti or Allegri or Ancelotti. I forgot which one it is, but... Are you going to officially apologise to what you uh, to him for what you yeah, said about him when he was hired? I yeah, look, we've that that we've there's a lot of been a lot of water under the bridge since then, Josh. It's been <laughs> two and a half years since then. He's done a very good job. So well, I just remember Nick's Milan rant after yeah. Stefano Pioli was hired. Hey, look, I, I am not the only one. There are a lot of Milan fans that weren't happy at that point in time. But this is a big game. If they win tomorrow, sick, they go three points clear of Napoli. They keep that little bit of breathing space in Inter as well, and they basically end Juve's slim chance of the title. Um, just the last one from that, Roma 1-0 against Sampdoria. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan with the goal. Um, you know, basically what you've been expecting from Roma all season, they're going to get Jamie 1-0 wins, and they did exactly that. So their streak continues. They're in the hunt for top four, so it's very good to see. In La Liga, Barcelona 1, Sevilla 0. Pedri, he's gotten some sleep. He's gotten some rest about <laughs> bloody time. He looks like a new man. And what a goal it was that he scored as well. Barcelona winning again. They're into second. Like, they're not going to win. The, they're not going to catch Madrid. But, my God, it's been some turnaround to Xavi. We were speaking about it a couple of weeks ago. But it is great to see the resurgence um, under Xavi over the past few months. Yeah, it's they look like a real team again. 
You know, mm. I, the greatest respect to Ronald Koeman. They, they just didn't look like a Barcelona side when he, yeah. was, he was coaching them. And Aubameyang's come in and given them a lot. Um, you know, he ended up you know, cutting his wage massively in order to join the club, which I think yeah. was a great sign of, you know, his level of commitment, uh, where we, which had been questioned at Arsenal, um, not least by Mikel Arteta. Uh, but Pedri is a generational talent, you know, as long as he's not burnt out by... <laughs> ridiculous but, yeah. amount of football that he was forced to play over the course of that, you know, uh, Euros and, and then into the Olympics yeah. as well, where Spain made the final. Um, that was a bit of magic. If you haven't seen the goal, you've got to check it out. He dummies two players. And it's a bit like that Zlatan Ibrahimovic goal for Ajax back in yeah. the day, except in the reverse direction. He Ooh. just keeps dummying players to the right and leaving two two players on the ground, just breaking angles left, right and centre and then finding the back of the net from the edge of the box. It's a It's a wonderful goal. And uh, I think Barcelona probably deserved uh, that win. You know, they were a much better team over yep. the course of the 90 minutes. Sevilla, pretty tough to break down. They're a good defensive team, but they're just lacking a little bit up front. And Martial coming in has not helped that whatsoever. Well, moving on, Madrid 2, Celta Vigo 1. They were actually coached. Now, get this. Davide Ancelotti, Carlos' mm. son, was coaching this game. Um, so they got the 2-1 win. It wasn't easy. There were two penalties scored by Karim Benzema in this one. He actually missed one as well in this game. So he could have had a hat-trick of penalties. Either side of a Nolito goal. Nolito. That's a throwback. Nolito for Celta Vigo, former Manchester City winger, uh, scored in that game. So Madrid are 12 points clear. You'd have to think that the title is all wrapped up. The other one before we wrap up here uh, is Borussia Dortmund's dropping points on the weekend against RB Leipzig. They were hammered 4-1. Basically, we spoke about any chance of keeping that title race alive. It's done. So Leipzig 4. Borussia Dortmund Dortmund are a Fugazi team. Yeah. They're just not good. And Bayern When it matters, they're not good. Yeah. Bayern beat Freiburg 4-1. They're nine points clear and it's all but done. Josh, before we go, Champions League this week as well. Quarterfinals kick off on Wednesday. Benfica versus Liverpool. Kick it all off along with Man City versus Atletico Madrid. Quick predictions. Ooh, uh, Benfica versus Liverpool. In, in Portugal? In Portugal. I'm giving Benfica a slight edge because of the home advantage. I'm going to say that one's going to be a draw. Wow. You reckon that's going to be a draw? I think yeah. it's going down as a draw. I think Liverpool probably will get the job done in home, at home in the second leg, but have you seen the uh, the Benfica stadium yeah, where it's, it's rocking? Uh, it's, uh, it's quite a sight. Quite hostile. Uh, I'm going to go Liverpool 1-0 in this game. I reckon okay. they'll jam, get a jammy goal and there'll be enough for them. City versus Atleti at the Etihad. I am going to go a 2-1 City win. Atleti have been in some better form recently. And I don't think, I, I knowing El Cholo, he's got something up his sleeve for this game. And I reckon mm. he's going to frustrate Pep in this one. I'm going to say it's more straightforward for City than that. I think it's 2-0 for Manchester City. Thursday morning, Chelsea Madrid. That's a big contest uh, at Stamford Bridge. I am going a one-all draw in this one. I can't separate them, but I think Madrid might have the edge. Chelsea did not look good against Brentford. I'm sure you and Oscar will touch on it in the EPL show in just a sec. But uh, one-all draw for me in this one. I'm going to say Madrid win the away tie, 2-1. Wow. Villarreal by Munich in Spain. Villarreal, I mean, they're a tough team to predict. I think you know? Emery, talk about coaches, something having up their sleeves. Unai Emery's definitely got something up his sleeve I, for this one. I think Villarreal might have a good evening. I think they're going to win. I'm saying Bayern 2-0. Mm, I, I think I'm going to go for a draw. Okay. Well, just I'm going to say 1-1, one, one, and uh, we're going to have... Who's going to score for Villarreal? Quickly, who's a Villarreal player? Uh, Jeremy Pino? <laughs> no, 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 not Jeremy Pino. I reckon it's going to be... 
Dan Juma. A Danny Parejo free kick to secure a one-all draw. There we go. Fantastic. Uh, and just in Book terms it. of uh, the other games to keep an eye on this week, if you just keep just casting your eye over some tasty contests, uh, Europa League, RB Leipzig, Atalanta looks like a big one. Frankfurt played Barcelona on, on Friday morning as well. Well, let's see if Arden Rustic gets some minutes. Yeah, uh, West Ham Lyon as well. That's going to be a fun one for the Hammers fans out there. Can they dare to dream? Maybe they're in the quarters now. They're, they're testing themselves. They're, they're going for European glory. Well, you know, when David Moyes is in charge, the Europa League, you know, that's his that's his uh, that's his stomping ground. Yep. You know, he took Manchester United into the Europa League, and uh, <laughs> actually, I don't and, know if they even qualified for the Europa and, League. And uh, the other one in the Conference League, Jose Mourinho returns to the place where his Roma side got beaten six one. They play Bodo Glimt again, again, and they met in the group stage, so they play again in the quarterfinals. Uh, I don't know if it will happen if that will be a six-one drubbing again because Roma have been a lot. Given better. their full name, Bodo slash Glimt. Bodo slash Glimt. Yes. Yeah. Um, Bodo and or Glimt. And or Glimt. Yes. Uh, so that will be an interesting one. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that one. But just in terms of other, sorry, just other big fixtures, keep an eye on in terms of title race stuff. If you want to sort of, you know, the big title race only really left is Serie A. So Napoli, Fiorentina, Inter, Hellas, Verona, Cagliari, Juventus next week, and Torino versus Milan. Ooh, that Torino-Milan game might be interesting. Yeah, Monday morning, 4.45 before then. They've got to beat Bologna tomorrow. But anyways, let's wrap things up here tonight, Josh. Um, EPL show up next. Yes, uh, we've had to switch it from Wednesdays. We're going to be talking EPL today instead because of uh, Oscar's A-League commitments. That's coming up right on the other side of the break, so stick around. Well, we'll be back again next Monday from 6 p.m. We'll hope we, we promised a big announcement last week, but we hope that we can get that mm. to you soon about, you know, a certain show we want to launch. We're still, we've had a bit, we've run into a bit of a delay, mm. but we'll get there. Don't we you worry. Keep an there. eye on the socials, but we'll be back. How are we looking for the rest of the week before we go? Yeah, so we'll have our Oz Football Hour tomorrow, yep. and I believe we're doing Radio Dub as well because we've got to talk Matilda stuff yep. and uh, maybe even some MPLW and yeah. uh, Women's Super League as well, Pacuas across that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got the Green Room on Wednesday. Uh, no EPL show on Wednesday, of course, because that's coming up now. And on Thursday, uh, no State of Our Football Nation again this week, but we will have the Lions Den live from Jenna Steel Stadium's new and- Boy, is it exciting at the moment. In oh, man. Moment. I mean, they're, they're women won as well yesterday. Yeah. They beat their title rivals, Borondara, 4-0, would you believe? And yeah, and hey, you know what? Preston have taken on a fellow mm. promotion candidate this weekend in Doveton, so you're not going to want to miss this no. Thursday show. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be big. Uh, we're we're going to have Olivia Edwards from the women's team. We might even have the assistant coach as well, and we'll have a men's player as well joining us. So uh, stick around for Thursday, the Lions Den coming to you. Live from BT Connor Reserve. Anyways, we'll be back again next Monday here on the Euro Show. Until then, enjoy your weekend in European football and uh, we'll see you then. Sometimes I feel. I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad did you? You don't have to get a bad did you? Attaccare! Attaccare!